Well, welcome back to another daily episode of the Daily Dose of Grace, and I'm Pastor Nathan Hurst, and this week we committed to talking a lot about communion. What is communion? How communion works? Uh, what what our place is in communion? And so today we're going to talk about that as far as the Passover is concerned and how Passover leads us into the practices of communion. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and break that open and we'll talk about some very interesting points here today. We're kind of giving it a minute while people log on and are part of the discussion. And if you're uh, logging on with us, go ahead and maybe send us a chat. uh, Let us know that you're there. Uh, If I don't get to you right away, we'll get to you eventually. So Again, today and throughout the rest of the week, we'll be talking about communion, what it is to take communion, where communion started. And so we got to start with some of the basic roots of communion, where it comes from, right? What's the purpose behind communion? So the Old Testament sacrifice was something that was very similar to money. So we know in the Bible, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-reference a book here throughout this, maybe even grab the old, like the big pastor Bible, crack that open here and there, right? <laughs> Make it look legit. <laughs> uh, but there are some very interesting points about the concept of communion and our history of communion. So we all know communion is the little wafer and the juice that we take uh, when we go to church sometimes, right? When maybe we take it monthly, maybe maybe we take it every week, uh, depending on the tradition you grew up in, maybe the priest hands it to you. And if you're not feeling all that, uh, if you're not feeling all that holy that day, you got to cross your arms. If you haven't gone through communion, first communion rites, you have to cross your arms. The priest gives you a blessing or whatever. But um, many of us have different ideas of where this comes from. Well, realistically, it dates all the way back to the Old Testament. And literally their, their system of sacrifice. So they would kill animals, sacrifice it to God. And in that sacrificial system is where we get the idea of communion. But it first passes through this idea called Passover. Well, Passover couldn't have happened if there wasn't a sacrificial system in place. So the Old Testament, the sacrifice in the Old Testament, they're really akin to, or they really are much like, our exchange of paper money, dollar bills, right? So there's nothing of value in the dollar bill. So so many people get hung up on the idea of communion and sacrifice and animals and blood and flesh. And and the reality is, just like with paper money, there's no value in the paper money. There's no value in the animal itself other than the value that God ascribes to it. Right. So the Old Testament sacrifices, before we even get to Passover, as we give a little history here, before we even get to Passover, the the worthiness of the blood or the flesh that was to be burnt, right, to be a burnt offering, uh, really had nothing do, to do with, uh, it had nothing to do with the value of the flesh and the blood. It had everything to do with the value that God was placing on it. But he was doing that to show us that very soon there would be somebody who would come who would be so valuable that his value so much more than just menial blood sacrifices or menial flesh sacrifices, that he would come to redeem us from all of our sin, past, present, and future sin. The whole world of its sin, past, present, and future, if they put their trust and relied on him. So the concept that the reason there's so much blood, as we say, 
in the Old Testament. There's there's so many sacrifices, so many needs for so much need for sacrifice. Is that there was so much sin in the Old Testament that was being atoned for. So that's where the idea, this simple idea of animal sacrifice comes from. We might think it's barbaric today. Uh, today we might even think it's maybe even a little bit paganistic, but it was how God chose to deal with his people in a picture and a drama type, right? So God was displaying in a picture and a drama type what it would mean later on to understand and to have full communion or fellowship with God. So he sets up this picture literally, literally through thousands of years that eventually uh, finds its apex in Jesus. But we have to understand the history in order to go, in order to get where we're going. Now, that's just an incredibly brief history on the idea of animal sacrifice, right, in the Old Testament. So what do we learn first about, about this idea of sacrifice? Well, we learned that in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18, we got to go, we got to go forward to go backward to really understand this. In Revelation 3, uh, or 13 verse, verse 8, uh, we read this kind of tail end of the verse that the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the earth. It's referencing Jesus, that he was the animal sacrifice that was killed from the literal foundations of the earth. When it was, when the earth was uh, being formed, when the earth was just taking shape. In that moment, Jesus stretches all the way back to that point. So the idea of communion, Christ's sacrifice, right? The blood and the flesh that we symbolize in the elements dates all the way back to the literal foundations of the earth as Revelation 13.8 says. So in this concept of communion, we not only look at the animal sacrifice and how it developed amongst God's people, specifically we'll look at Passover here in just a second, but we don't just we don't just dovetail our communion into that. We understand that it was set up. It's a setup process from the foundation of the earth that Jesus himself became the Lamb of God, the very symbol of God's graciousness, love, and acceptance, the very symbol and drama type that God would take one who was worthy, more worthy than this whole human experience combined, to die for our sin, to shed his blood, to redeem us from that sin, that he would take that one, from the literal foundation of the earth. So the idea of Passover stretches way, I'm sorry, communion stretches way beyond just the uh, the practice of Passover or animal sacrifice. It literally weaves the storyline right into the creation of the world. So, and again, like we said before, the Old Testament sacrificial system, a lot like paper money, the blood of the animal or the blood of the goat or the flesh of the goat really was of no consequence. It only had value because God decided as a testimony that it would have value, that it would have value in the same way that later on one who has true value and true worth would be ours to receive. He would be ours to gain. So again, uh, that's just where I wanted to start with today. And I want to read a couple of things here from a from a from just a great resource. It's actually called The Introduction to Communion, written by Dr. Gene Scott. Now, I told you last week that we would reference Dr. Scott, who's probably one of the most brilliant theologians of our time. He, he's passed away and dead and gone now. They used to call him God's angry man for the way 
well, for some of his antics while he was on his broadcast. However, he was an incredibly brilliant individual, very well educated from Stanford University, had one of the largest original manuscript collections of the Bible ever in existence by a private owner. He owned it, I think his wife still does. So very, very intelligent man, not without flaws, a very flawed man like many of us are. But so if you look up his life story, you might think, oh my goodness, is any of this true? Why are, why are we referencing this guy? Well, not all of our, not of all of all of our brilliant men are uh, necessarily the moral character that we want to define our life by, but it doesn't take away the fact that there's still some very, very brilliant individuals. So anyway, let me reference here one of, one of the passages from the book. It says, God, uh, God told Abraham in the night and in a vision, his people would go to a land where they would be strangers. They would end up in bondage, but they would come out of it in the fourth generation. They would send, uh, send a deliverer uh, to the people and they would come out richer than they went in. See, one before we get into the idea really of Passover, we have to understand, and you can find all of this uh, talked about Passover, talked about in the book of Exodus. And, and I don't wanna, I'm gonna reference Gene Scott's words mixed with a little scripture because I wanna, I don't wanna take too much time referencing every uh, scriptural fine point there. Uh, but this idea is very true that God speaks to Abraham in a dream and says, your, your people aren't, aren't going to have it easy. However, uh, when they come out of this bondage, they're literally going to leave richer than they went into bondage. This is a type and shadow for our lives of sin, right? That sin would grip our heart. It might grip our, it might grip our very soul. And that it would impoverish us, that we would be slaved to sin. We would be owned by sin. Yet, when Christ comes to redeem us, or when that ultimate lamb comes to redeem us, he frees us. We, we are now released from bondage, and we are in every essence richer than when we went into bondage. So th this idea uh, that, that Gene Scott points out in Exodus, that they became richer. They were literally prophesied to, and we see it in scripture, that they left with goods from their slave state. They left with goods from the nation that enslaved them, that weren't theirs, they didn't buy them. They moved to a land where they didn't plant the gardens, where they didn't build the buildings, but it was inherited to them by the promise of God. So these people leave bondage and find reprieve. And in finding reprieve, everything about them is elevated. We have to understand that when we come to the idea of communion or Passover, that when we take the elements and we really have faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, we have really have faith in the blood and the flesh of that animal that's killed in Passover, that we are redeemed from the bondage of where we've come from, and that we are moving into an existence that's richer, that's greater, that's more significant than the life of bondage we left, the life of slavery we left. Most I would say most, if not all Jewish people, when they celebrate Passover, understand this basic concept that they're being pulled again from slavery to riches. They're being pulled for, through the wilderness and all those travels and they're being pulled into God's promise. So it's very important here that we read over the Passover story that one thing saved, one thing. The Bible is very clear that Passover becomes this tradition that the Jewish people uh, are committed to and connected to. Again, later on dovetails into our idea of communion. 
Jesus celebrates Passover. He he gives the emblems of the, 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 the symbols of Passover new meaning, and now we call it communion. And then we celebrate it all the way through church history up until this point. We'll continue to for hundreds and thousands of years unless Jesus tarries after this point. But it starts here where God told Abraham, get your people ready. This is what's going to happen. So after the plagues come, after God shows his power to that nation and to the children of Israel, after Abraham comes as their deliverer, there's one thing that saves. So Abraham instructs the people in Exodus. He says, I want you to go kill a goat. And when you kill this goat, I want you to spread its blood with a hyssop branch over the doorpost and the lintel. So they would literally paint it over the four posts of the door. And as they painted it, they were to go inside and shut the door. And then when that last plague befell the people of Egypt, when that death angel came to steal away the firstborn of all their cattle, the firstborn of all their households, that the people who had the blood over the posts would be saved. Now it's interesting here because he says, so spread the blood over the, over the, the four posts of your house, over your dwelling, then go inside and shut the door and you'll be protected. But then he gives them a secondary commandment. So the salvation, the saving command is in the blood that's spread. And the secondary command, the little bit of additive, the little bit of additive of strength for the journey is the roasted lamb that they were to eat. So they were to go in and not just put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, but they were to go in and to literally eat and consume that lamb, each and every house, each and every household, consume that lamb to give them strength for the journey that's ahead of them. That God is going to release and open that door. And the moment he does, that Pharaoh himself, their bondage keeper, the one with the keys to their bondage, is going to come out, free them. And when he frees them, they need to be ready to go. So this is this is a basic concept, a basic idea of Passover, and how it dovetails into communion is Jesus is sitting there with his disciples, and they're getting ready to eat the Passover meal, and he stands up and he redefines it. And he says, listen, this Passover meal, we've kept it for generations. However, I want to redefine it. I am this lamb. I am this lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. I am the ultimate Passover lamb that frees you from sin, death, hell, and the grave, sickness, poverty, anything that would keep us bound, anything that would keep us less than living to the potential that God has us, anything in our life that we would have that's not fulfilling the full purpose and potential that God has for us. Jesus came to be that freeing nature. And in that, every time we take the elements of communion, we take the bread and we take the wine, in that we ingest that truth, right? Uh, so there's two ideas of, of uh, communion, and we'll talk about this uh, throughout the week. There's consubstantiation and transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is where some people believe that the elements turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus. Consubstantiation is where we believe the literal presence of God is resonant in the symbols, the blood or the, the, the juice or the wine that we take and the bread that we take. Our church specifically believes in the idea of transubstantiation. I'm sorry, not trans, con. I got myself mixed up there. Consubstantiation, uh, where the literal presence of God is resonant in the symbols. So we believe as a church, and I hope you have this understanding, that when we take in the elements of communion, it weaves a story all the way back to the beginning of 
the foundations of this world, that it bleeds itself all the way through this Passover moment where God was delivering his people, that they would set out on a journey to take the promise of God, the promised land of God. Their shoes wouldn't wear out. They would literally eat manna from heaven and doves that fell from the sky. They would have all of their needs met and paid for because they were faithful to take the blood, to paint it over the doorpost, and to eat the roasted lamb and be ready to set out on a journey. When we take communion, we have to be ready and mindful of this idea that we take communion, we take the elements, and in taking communion, what happens? We are now pasting the blood of Christ over the doorpost that anything that, that that any death I should say any death that would try to come and steal life from us has no place we are shut behind the very blood of Christ we are not just redeemed from sin hell and the grave we are now offset we are now put off behind the closed door of where God's blood is shed that keeps us solidified that keeps us safe that keeps us behind that closed door but secondarily we take the bread as a symbol of his body that was beaten and broken as a symbol of that roasted lamb as strength for the journey but we don't stay hidden just like in passover they didn't stay hidden they found their redemption just moments later just like in our own life hey Al, what's going on just like in our own life when we see right? We see the promises of God. We go after them. When we take in communion, we don't stay where we are. We move forward and do what God has for us. In preparing for strength for the journey, we take and ingest the very presence, the consubstantiation, the very presence of God in these elements, and it changes the pattern and the, the trajectory for our life. So whatever promise of God we're going after, we can go after it in full force knowing that it's ours because we've taken on communion. We know God is with us. That we can go on free from the bondage of the past, free from the sin of our past. Why? Because Jesus has freed us. This is, this is just point number one. This is just the starting point for understanding communion. That we would come back to this place of animal sacrifice, understand that Jesus becomes the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world, understand that in the practice of Passover, is the true understanding of our communion, our union with God, our common union. That in that common union, we would understand that we don't have to worry about what held us chained and shackled and enslaved, that the very blood of Christ that is poured over the doorpost of our heart keeps us hidden in Christ Jesus. And whatever mess that would kind of fall through culture and society, any plague that would try to manipulate its way through our world that we don't have to worry about, and that we have in the safety of communion the strength for the journey. So today I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity, go take communion. Get a piece of bread somewhere where you're at. It's supposed to be unleavened. That's how they did it in their practice. But take a piece of bread. It's all about the symbol. Right? As we said before, it's not about the actual animal that has any benefit or value. It's just the symbol that God was trying to establish. Go take some juice, something that is reminiscent of the blood of Jesus. Take the two elements and recognize this is where salvation comes, the blood of Christ 
painted over the doorpost of our heart. This is where our deliverance comes as we take the flesh, the roasted lamb for strength for our journey. Your journey tomorrow will be better than today when you understand this process and you take communion, not just as a religious exercise, but as something you apply to your life daily. Man, I I hope you got a little bit out of it today. We're going to continue on in this idea uh, over the next couple of days. We'll finish out the week with this concept of communion and really how we 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 dive into the into the practice of communion. And again, we started with a very brief introduction, and we'll reference some of these ideas as we move forward. Uh, but I want to encourage you: share the broadcast with friends and family, share it with uh, folks uh, in your in your circle, because we want them to have a better understanding of what communion is, so that they can get the most out of it and it stops becoming just a religious practice, but it becomes a tool in our arsenal to literally live the best life that God has for us. Amen. So if you need to go back, reference this uh, podcast again and again and again until you get it down in your spirit. And then I want to encourage you as we move on in this topic throughout the week, it is going to be a big deal that changes your life, man. I guarantee you God is going to do some amazing things in you uh, when we really understand how all this works and how communion is meant to work in our life. Amen. Yeah, Al, uh, I noticed that, yeah, my cameraman isn't sleeping. She's in the other room, so we're going to leave her uh, operating as normal. But (laughs) thank you for that. Anyway, we love you guys. Uh, We will see you tomorrow with part two of our series on communion.